I'm happy to see that, that people, they have taken streets, uh, the streets, as you say, that I know, uh, that I have walked through. And uh, for me as an urbanist, it's a huge thing to see that the political aspect of urban space and that the people there are claiming their rights in the streets beca because they, there are no other places to claim it. Mm -hmm. So um, it is a positive thing that we're seeing. I'm happy about it, even though it is uh, it is violent and we have we have police force and everything uh, I think the presence is important it was a move that was interesting in terms of political freedom I think that we we took a step forward that we cannot undo it mm -hmm. so this is very interesting and very positive so in the long run I think the society has been growing throughout these protests even if the, I mean, the change is gradual, but it's, ha it's happening. So I'm very happy in, in that respect. Even if you're sad for what's happened to some people and then the, the situations that we had to face and the images that we had to see. But I think in the, in the long run, we are on the, on the positive track of things. People are getting more organized and helping uh, each other in, and becoming more social. Not always in a political way, just supporting each other uh, emotionally, financially and different ways. And I think that uh, that's one of the opportunity of uh, this uh, uh, change that uh, people are going behind their or identity box, their own uh, uh, interests, and they open their uh, uh, space to contradictory intentions and uh, helping uh, someone who previously they called them the other and embracing the other. Our revolution started in Iran, revolution of Zan Zendegi Azadi, women, life, freedom, and uh, it's been quite dynamic moments for all of us Iranians, uh, both in Iran and outside of Iran. And as an artist, I feel responsible, uh, as an artist Iranian outside of Iran, feel responsible to stand with my people, with Iranian people, and to uh, help this revolution to come forward and to grow into what it is. Um, obviously, uh, I have been speaking and sharing and uh, Iranian women 
have taken this spearheading this movement. Metaphorically, I feel like, or I think about that they're reclaiming their body back uh, because, you know, everything, uh, the hair is bad, the eyes is bad, the hands are bad, the body is bad, you need to be inside, you need to cover up. I'm talking about the Iranian Islamic government translation of these Islamic laws. I'm not talking in the global sense, so, so I don't want somebody else coming to my door and start taking the door out going, you said Islam is bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying what's, what's happening and what I think that is going on in this revolution with Iranian people and they want to uh, choose what they want to do with their own bodies and with their own ideas and I think it's very humane. You, you, everybody needs to choose for themselves.
Fountains and Futility The well of human courage is deep, reminds me E, whom I love. One day I take to its sounding. My task is simple, to approximate the well's depth by way of its echo. Simple tasks require simple methods, so I hover my hand over courage's mouth and let fall a weight. Ensues a short lapse triangulating the blossom of my fist, the water's embrace of the diving probe, and the well's reverberating response. In the play of simple parameters, time masquerades as distance, and the unfathomable unbecomes. In an episode of Little House on the Prairie, a colonist young child has fallen down a well. None of the adults of the village can fit down its narrow neck, and the child is not latching on to the rescue rope. The scene has been set. Climactic redemption awaits. Earlier, we followed the hardships of a little person living in the colony to whom employment was barred due to the influence of the hateful, ableist wife of a wealthy shopkeeper. Unable to secure work, the man stole eggs from the local shop to feed his aging mother and tend to his wounded pride. The townsmen were quick to uncover his theft, and charges were brought against him by the shopkeeper's wife. It is on his way to the trial that the man's path fatefully crossed that of the town's well. The short stature that had rendered him abject to the eyes of the shopkeeper's wife allowed the man, in a good-faith display of heroism, to hoist himself down the navel of the stone pit and rescue the yet undrowned child. The well of human courage is deep, Reminds me E, whom I love. I carry its sound whenever I go. It moistens my airways from the hum of dereliction, softens my breath with the humidity of silence. Instead of praying for rain, they dug a well. Instead of digging a well, they unearthed the spring. They too heard the rumors. They too knew them to be true. Fodul turned the horizon on its head so that history could found him. As a result, water poured from the abyss below to the abyss above, and the sound, the sound, only the sound, the sound of the water's transparent wish to flow remained. The fountain is prohibited, the fountain is futile, but its song is a refuse we sift through stolen memories. O fire eviscerate, water cull. An unknown artist dyed the fountain red with the blood of woman. The next day, all the spigots spat red in unison. The sharks didn't know where to turn their heads. I listen to thirst and know futility is the rule. To write about water, and fountains are still, sparkling or hard, is futile. Or rather, it is all writing that is futile, and writing about water is no different. To write about water, is to write about futility. One is a metonym or euphemism, depending on your view of things, of the other. To write water on the page is to riddle the page with words just empty enough that disavow one the false hope of a cemented future or a liquidated past. In the end, futility makes us all into patience. Whether we acquiesce or not is a matter of grace. Max Sebald, discussing the subject of history, recounts an experiment involving rats in water-filled tanks. 
As for science, the difference between a rat that lets itself drown and one that swims until the point of exhaustion and then drowns is hope. Here, hope had been engineered during a previous trial by way of a surprise exit, which afforded the rats a last-minute escape from their tank, their fate, to drown. Hope is a buoy we grasp just barely, or perhaps the warm smile of a stranger on an uncharacteristically cold August day spelling this too shall pass. Lately, hope has taken on the image of hair, falling down backs, spiking up scalps, raining from knives, fanning the flames. The reasons we carry on are too numerous to list. The reasons we carry on are all the same. We can have hope only in what is without remedy. And so goes the revolutionary prescription. Zen, Zendigi, Azadi. Thank you.